right, we're going. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. My name is Justin Belanger. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Today's episode is brought to you by the beautiful Roxbury Urban Dive Bar, located at 1743 Grafton Street, right there on the corner across from Scotiabank Center. Make sure to get in there, get some good food. $5 food all day, every day. You can't beat those prices downtown Halifax. They have a DJ seven nights a week. Sunday, Sin Sundays, that is an industry night, $3 well shots, $6 doubles, and $5 pints. On Wednesday night, it is a 90s night. If you like 90s music, head on into the Roxbury, have a great time. And on the weekend, always the boozy brunch, $5 food, $15 pitchers of Caesar. Make sure to get into the Roxbury. Remember, when you are supporting the Roxbury, you are directly supporting the high button. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the High Button. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today on the High Button, we have a great guest, Lucas Dower. Lucas runs a marketing firm here in Halifax, Nova Scotia called Intro Fuel. We've worked together on a couple of projects. I thought it would be a really cool idea to have him on the podcast. We could talk marketing, uh, talk social media, talk about things that are going on uh, in today's world and how essentially social media affects each and every one of us we're all addicted to it maybe he'll talk about what's good about it what's bad about it what he looks forward to in the future about marketing uh yeah probably mix in some sports as well he's a good basketball guy too he knows his stuff so it's going to be a good episode hi button you know what comes next here we go all right lucas thanks for coming man appreciate it thank you for having me on you're gonna have to be a bit closer into the mic though closer just like you can bring it all the way yeah like in touching the time. yeah oh, that's good there we are perfect cool so yeah thanks for coming man appreciate it. it's early you got me up at 10 i don't think this is the it's i don't really i don't think i've ever done a podcast before noon big start big start what time do you usually wake up in the morning i'm an early riser like i'm on to go early yeah yeah um i'm not usually talking much in the morning but uh yeah they say the most highly productive people in the world wake up early because no one else is up and they're able to get emails it's done. Get, yeah, it's when you get your stuff done, right? Get everything done. No one else is talking to you. You can just do whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk to you before we even get into the whole marketing aspect. I want to talk about the fact that you're from Newfoundland. I think that's cool. I've never been. We were talking about it. Am I the Jack. honorary Newfie on the, on the pod? Am I the first? Jeez. Uh, you're questioning me here. There okay. might have been another Newfoundland guy or girl. <laughs> Top of my head, I don't know. But... We'll say I'm the first. We'll say you're the first. Sure. Congrats. Um, You said the other day, I mentioned in the intro before you came on the podcast that you like basketball because we were talking about it when we went to that video shoot the other day. And you said that the Lakers are going to make the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, hot take. You heard it. You heard it here first. And we didn't get a a chance to elaborate (laughs) on that. So I thought that would be a good... All right. I want you to kind of give me a little rundown of why you think that. Um, Yeah, the Lakers aren't done. They're... uh, they're they're a move away. They're they're a team with a lot of assets, right? And a, a King James led team is gonna they're gonna be in the mix. Yeah. Um, so I think they're in the mix, and then they're one superstar. They're gonna flip Lonzo, flip uh, Ingram, one of those guys, and get another big name. You maybe you see Lillard or someone like that get in there. Yeah. Um, I I wouldn't bet against them going going to the conference finals. Now once they get into the Warriors, it's a whole another situation. The Warriors don't look like the Warriors this year. Oh, well, they're hurt. Yeah, a little beat up, a little banged up, you know. And there's a little drama in the dressing room, apparently. It's got to be tiring going to four straight finals, right? How do, you, how do you get yourself up for that? It's like a December game against Memphis. Who, who's getting excited for that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine being so numb to the NBA finals? Like right? you're just, you've been there four times. You it's just, just like, this is, this is easy now. This is regular. 
think of so what's 82 times four that's right re- that's a regular season if you can't do a top of your head no worries i'm not plus playoffs plus playoffs right you're looking at another they're playing 100 games a year easy like, and it's not just you know an average game in portland on a tuesday no, no. playoff games are yeah they got some put some mileage on you I love watching what? NBA playoffs. Yeah, yeah. It's my it's not my favorite regular season sport. Playoffs is my favorite. Like yeah, that's that's where it's where it's going good. Well in basketball in basketball, excuse me, I feel like you can the game is decided in the fourth quarter. It is literally. Yeah, but I feel a team yeah. could be down by twenty going into the fourth and it can still Especially the way it's played today with all the three pointers and everything. It's a game of runs, right? So you get hot in the fourth quarter and uh, you can steal a game away. Do you think the game of basketball has changed in the past ten years? 10 years, excuse me, due to the three-point Curry and oh, that yeah. generation. Yeah, big time. I mean, you look at games in, uh, you know, 07, you know, the the infamous, like, the, the King James coming out show in, in Detroit back in, like, 07 when he put up 42, and playoff games are being decided at 67 to 75, and playoff games are ending at 81 to 82 and stuff like that, and now you, no one averages less than 100 points. So, you know, you get a faster pace of the game, you know. That's more exciting for the fans, though. Yeah, yeah, big time. Defense isn't as great, but no. But then you see that pick up in the playoffs, and then that's when it gets good. It's interesting. We had that inside scoop. I don't think we're going to mention any names, but when Danny Green came and what he said about yeah, for sure. That's interesting because because he's a, a defensive coach. Oh, okay, I never knew that. I'm a th- well, I think of the Spurs, and I think of yeah, yeah. You think of team defense, yeah. right? Yeah, it's interesting, and that's good. Full circle. That's good for marketing. If you're scoring. It's easier to sell the game. It's more exciting. Exactly. If Steph yeah. Curry's putting up a three at half court. And that's a big thing. You see that, you know, the commissioner has so much to do with it, but you have Adam Silver come in when the NBA is at, at the peak of its power. But David Stern really did a good job turning the NBA around from the nineties when it was it was rough, you know. They had to implement the dress code. They had a big Coke problem in, in the Did NBA. they? Oh yeah. It's like it's very taboo. Like you'll you'll hear Bill Simmons talk about it all the time, but um, yeah, mid nineties, early nineties, big Coke problem. Um, have you ever heard of Len bias? No, he was in late eighties. Maybe it was even a bit earlier. could have been mid eighties. Um, second overall draft pick played against Jordan, um, in, in college ball. And you can hear old tapes of like Len bias versus Michael Jordan going against each other in, in college. And the announcers, the way they're talking about him, they're equals. It's like, this guy's given Jordan a run for his money. He was the second overall pick. Um, and the night after he was drafted, he overdosed, died. And that kind of put the NBA on like, okay, we need to, we need to address this. What? So yeah, it was like a big, it was like a big catalyst for, for the NBA kind of changing and being like, okay, someone actually died from Coke use and they started cracking down on it. But that like really changed the game from being, you know, let's hide a portion of it from the fans. And now with social media and everything, it's in the fans face. And that's kind of why the NBA is huge is because unlike hockey or football where someone's wearing a helmet and you can't really see them. The NBA is, it's in your lap, you know, it's, uh, you know, the players, you know, the faces um, and the revolutionizing of getting to see all those guys. And because it's changed and become more of a fan sport now has really made it what it is today. It's interesting how controversy can come off as not a good marketing scheme, but it can definitely, essentially marketing is drawing attention to something that you want yeah, people yeah, to. Yeah, some controversy and yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of companies, you know, fad companies especially rely on it. That's that's what they they're born of. There's just a bit of controversy. Someone says, you know, something a bit outlandish or, you know, does something that not everybody agrees with and, and all of a sudden you're 
that that is yeah you're right that is marketing i'm just automatically thinking of donald trump right now <laughs> yeah you right? know yeah you know say what you will about him but he's got the attention of everybody um and then it's just it's a polarizing right so yeah he, he really divides <laughs> he divides you into being on one side or the other yeah it really says a lot about us as a people if you're able to say something and draw attention to yourself what you what you said a word scandal or uh you said one word there that I liked. Oh, I said a few words. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, if you're able to draw attention to yourself, I don't know why people voted for him, but still, nonetheless, mm. he was able to draw everyone to him all over the world. Yeah, yeah, it's very dividing. And then when you're forced to pick a side, if you're if you're on the right side of that yeah. division, then you know you come out on top. It's funny you also say that the NBA had a coke problem, which I didn't know. Yeah, man, because dive into the wormhole of that. You know, you can get pretty deep into that wormhole and. Uh, it, it's interesting stuff. Yeah, mid-90s, they uh, had a pretty bad Coke problem. Wow. Because hockey still, I think, to this day has a bad Coke mm, problem. Yeah. It did. Yeah. It still might, but it could be under wraps. But yeah, yeah. A lot of those athletes are... Absolutely. Come out. Not come out, but have been caught yeah. with Coke driving around. Oh, bad. And hockey's such a sport where it's clean cut. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Yeah, very yeah. blue-collared sport. Yeah. And when things like this happen, it's... Uh, it doesn't get as publicized as much mm-hmm. as they want because I think the commissioner, Gary Bettman in the NHL, yeah. is very good at keeping things under... The under NHL that. wants you to see what it wants you to see. Yeah, when, if absolutely. you don't want to see anything, it, it'll make sure that you don't see it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the brand of the NHL, and it always will be. Yeah. I always thought that the NBA, though, didn't... It was just a dress code. I thought it was Allen Iverson. I thought it was... Yeah, AI the, really, like, he... I guess he was the big change change agent for the, for the dress code. Um which is kind of silly. I saw him comment on something recently. I don't know if you've seen it, but no. he was like, do you see what guys are wearing to the to games nowadays? Like, it's basically a fashion show. Like, you see Westbrook coming in. They have, like, outlandish outfits on. Yeah. And it's just like, that's not suit and tie. Like, that's not what the, the dress code was supposed to do. Why is Iverson's baggy pants and 40 yeah. chains any worse than that? You know, like, what makes it any different? But, exactly, what does make it different, the fact that you and I are both talking about it now they're winning. Yeah. We're not talking about what NHL guys are wearing to the rink right now. Cause we all yeah. know what they wear. They wear suits yeah. and ties. Yeah, you're right. And that's, that's exactly it. Hey, it's, a, it's the individualization of the NBA. It's like people don't really follow teams anymore. It's well, I follow my favorite player. Mm. How many Cavs fans just jumped, jumped off the bandwagon and are now wearing, you know, purple and gold. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's you, you follow players nowadays and it's because the player brand is bigger than the team brand. So, you know, King James has a bigger brand around himself than most teams have, right? Milwaukee Bucks, most, you know, if you show someone a picture of LeBron or you show someone a picture of the Bucks logo, nine times out of 10, people don't know who the Bucks are. If you're just a casual, you know, sports fan, you probably don't know. Yeah. But you do recognize LeBron. Do you think most NBA teams are one player away from becoming a playoff contender? Yeah. Because it's an an individual sport. Yeah. You said that the Lakers are one trade away from becoming yeah, yeah. a it's funny you say that yeah there's it's there's so much like the talent in the league right now like i think it's one of the most uh richest talent uh eras right every team has a 20 point score so yeah if you add another one i think i think every team if you have one guy who can you know go get you an all-star ballot or something yeah. um they're they're playoff contenders at least yeah nba is an interesting sport off the off the court there's a lot of clicks a lot of friend groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right, man. The the whole, like, AAU circuit of, like, dudes growing up together. You see, like, K- 
Kevin Love and, and Kyrie and Westbrook, like they they kind of grow up playing against LeBron, each other. LeBron, Wade, Carmelo. Yeah, exactly, right? They yeah, all they, love each other. Yeah, they grow up playing together. And I think that's kind of why, you know, maybe that's why guys are switching teams so soon. You don't see guys being like, there's no Dirk Nowitzkis who spend 21 years on one team anymore. It's mm. like, I'm going to I'm gonna skip over here and play with my friends for a while. And then yeah. just, you know, it's like the Tinder culture. It's, it's I'm not happy with where I'm at right now. I'll just move to the next one. There's Some guys. With it. It's just like, it's just the way they're, they're playing now. When Kevin Durant had a documentary with HBO, I think it was like four years ago, he said it was uh, uh, Pau Gasol. He was a free agent at the time. Mm-hmm. And he said that he was talking to Pau about coming to OKC at the time when he was playing in OKC. Uh, oh, yeah. Durant. Yeah. And... He said that Pow only cared about what was going on at nighttime. He's like, all right, so what are the restaurants like in OKC? Yeah. What's the nightlife? Yeah. Is there any plays? Is, Apparently, is there... he's like a very well-educated guy. One of the, I read one of the things that drew him to San Antonio was a like um, a very renowned opera theater. Really? And yeah, I think his. I don't know if his parents are doctors or if he was planning on becoming a doctor had he not been an NBA player. But like, yeah, very like cultured uh, individual. And one of the things that drew him to San Antonio was the opera scene. Yeah. So some guys just want to go to a city. Yeah. Just for Oklahoma city doesn't have a whole lot to offer in terms yeah. of, uh, culturally, you know, you see pictures like the memes of mellow when he was there last year. And it's like, yeah, we got to, we got to in and out down the road. It's time to go tonight. <laughs> well, think like if you're pal and you won your championships, you're in LA, you're, yeah. you've passed your prime. Yeah. Probably got a family kids. Yeah. You're looking for other opportunities, not other than championships. Yeah. For real. It, it, that's the, you gotta have a life. That's the truth. I, that's kind of what Danny green was saying. You know, we, uh, heard a little bit about, you know, um, I guess how his life outside basketball changed from moving from San Antonio to Toronto. Mm. You know, he's recognized in Toronto. That's a, it's a big deal, especially the raps at the peak of their powers right now. Yeah. And some guys want that. Some guys don't want yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. He's still young Danny Green, right? Yeah, gotta be. I think he's, what, late 20s? That's young. Yeah. That's what I always say, man. When you retire from the anything in sports, you are still young. If yeah, you're retiring yeah. at 35, in, in the grand scheme of mm-hmm. things, you're young. Yeah, totally. And you have so you have all this money, and then you have all this free time, and then hopefully you have a hobby where you can spend that money and mm-hmm. create a business. Yeah, or you yeah. can invest. It's weird to see the hobbies that different sports guys have. So like, or different leagues, like hockey players are they're going to turn into golfers, yeah. right? And a lot you see a lot of NBA guys now are doing media stuff. So there's um, any number, you know. Um, JJ Redick has his own podcast. Um, who else was it? Uh, Vince Carter and Kent Bazemore have a podcast on the Ringer Network now. What? So there's like a bunch of dudes who are uh, getting into into podcasting. I think was it um, two of the guys from the Cavs a couple of years ago, um, Channing Fry, and I forget who else. But anyway, they have one called like Road Trip and Richard Jefferson. Um, yeah, a bunch of dudes are getting into like media stuff. Kevin Durant is apparently. He want the rumor of, of him staying in, in Golden State this year is because he's super interested in um, in all the media and because you know it's it's right next to Silicon Valley it's the the tech capital. Of course, it would be one of the smartest if a professional athlete started vlogging or doing a podcast or doing anything yeah. while they're relevant at that <clears> time. <throat> yeah, would be one of the smartest investments of time you could make. Because as soon as you're done your career and you don't have anything going yeah. on, well, like, guess what? You still have this huge following through your vlog, huge yeah, following through yeah. your podcast, huge following, and people can follow you from while you are in the NBA, NHL, whatever it is, to post-career. Totally. Yeah. So and, smart. And then you've got that connection, right? Yes. You're like, 
if JJ Reddick asks you to go on his podcast, what are you going to be like? No, I'm actually a little busy today, JJ Reddick. You know, you, you can reach out to anyone and your name carries that much that you can get awesome guests coming on, right? Stuff anyone. If you are at that professional level, you can get, I'm trying to think of the biggest name here. Lucas Dower. Yeah, you can, you can get you, man. Sure. <laughs> you get Lucas on a Friday morning. You know, you, you can know, get anyone. <laughs> a huge part of being at that level as a professional athlete is using your networking skills. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not even that hard because everyone likes you already. Yeah, people are, you know, probably calling you up. Be like, hey, man, like, can I get on the pod, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the way I see it is, you know, when people retire, they have a shitload of money. They don't, they're not looking for money. But as we both know, professional athletes aren't the best with their money. They can spend it. It <laughs> yeah. can go. You can make money through a podcast if you're at that level making downloads that they would be able to make. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is probably just like you spend your whole life where you're like you're supremely dedicated to doing one thing. And when that ends, what do you do? What do you spend your 12 hours a day at? You know, they're probably used to dedicating themselves to to honing a craft. What do you do then when that's done? Pick something else. A lot of professional athletes have that problem when they're done. And, uh, you know, because professional athletes they wake up at a certain time they go to practice they come home yeah, they take a nap dudes. and then they go to the professional they go to their game excuse yeah. me and when you have that schedule for so many years could you imagine like selling out madison let's say you play for the new york rangers or the knicks you sell out madison yeah. square garden 41 times a year yeah yeah and then you're done over now what now you're bowling on sunday <laughs> afternoon with your wife and kids yeah drinking a diet coke yeah you got one guy leaning over his shoulders is that did we see him last year at the garden? You yeah. Know, like that, that's your, that's your fame then. Like, like you can't tell me that that wouldn't be difficult. Like you, yeah. you need to find that thrill. I was listening to the spit and chicklets podcast like two or three weeks ago mm. and Sean Avery was on, you know, Sean Avery, of course. Well, hence, well, that's a good, that's a good segue because he played in Madison square garden. Yeah. And he said the biggest thrill that he'll ever get again from, or sorry, the closest thing he'll ever get to Madison square garden is being in a movie on a set. With right, bombs right. going off, him acting, yeah, pretending yeah. to be a, a police officer. Yeah. So he said acting was helping him get through that stint, I guess. But right. it's hard to feel bad for him. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're in a movie. Tough luck, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. But hard yeah. Hard to feel bad for Sean Avery in general. What's that? Hard to feel bad for Sean Avery in general. Yeah, right? Unless he's on your team, right? He's one yeah. of those guys like, you love him when he's on your team, hate him when he's not. Yeah. That's another thing that professional athletes could do is write books because he has two he books has out. Book, yeah, he has two books the, out. Yeah, the bookstore the other day. Think about the stories that you have as soon as oh, your career yeah. is over. Yeah, of course. Rookie parties. Yeah. Profe- like all the guys spending all that money at restaurants. Yeah. Airplanes. Yeah. I don't know. Top of my head. I can't really yeah. think of anything, but you know what I mean. Absolutely. Tons of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just a wealth of uh, anecdotal, you know, just yeah. beauty, little drops of stories. You just have to be a little smart and you have to be charismatic you can't throw guys under the bus because there's a lot of stories that you wouldn't be able to tell (laughs) of course there's some things that you can muster up if you're a professional athlete half of it is what happens outside Mm -hmm. of the rink or court yeah anyways man so tell me about intro fuel yeah your company i mentioned it in the intro so people know what it is cool yeah yeah so so, um i guess i'll i'll a little bit about how i got into it anyway or how um it started i was working at um a company out in Fall River that does influencer marketing. Um, they've been at it now for a few years. Um, and so I was home uh, back in Newfoundland for a weekend. Um, and a few people, we have like a group message, right? A few, few of the guys at work, a few, few of the girls and whatever. And they start messaging like, hey, uh, can you get into your email? Like, I'm locked out. And then people start panicking. Like, I heard there's mass layoffs going on today. 
and we're like, okay, like and I'd been there. I was, when I started, I was the sixth person hired and this was two years later. There's about 45, maybe 50 people there. Like they grew really fast. Um, and didn't do a great job of it, right? They, they probably grew a little too fast. So there's these rumors, everyone's going like, who's, who's getting let go? And I'm like, you know, I'm not too worried about it. I was, at this time, I've been thinking about quitting for a few months. I've been telling my dad, I was home that weekend for a funeral actually. So I'm telling dad, I'm like, man, like I'm pretty bummed out at work. I'm not really enjoying it. I'm thinking about quitting. And he's like, just do it. You know, like you're 23, 24, whatever. If you're gonna quit your job and you know try to pursue something, um, this is time to, you don't have any kids, you don't have a mortgage, like go do it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm there and I'm like, man, maybe, maybe I will get laid off. And I was, I've been, you know, one of the longest tenured employees at this point, consistently been a top performer. And then I'm locked out of my email and yeah. I'm like, oh, oh shit, it's going down. Anyways, I'm kind of on edge. I'm like, I didn't know what to think of it. And then I get a call from my, from my boss and he's like, Hey, look, like, I know it's a bit of a tough weekend for you being home anyways. Um, but I've got some more bad news. And I just started smiling. I was like, Oh, it's happening. And I was like, this is it. This is like the little kick in the ass, the little push that I needed to, uh, to, to jump off and be like, okay, yeah, fuck it. Like, let's do my own thing here. Let's, um, yeah, let's start a company. And I've been doing it like, you know, spend an hour or so in the evenings, just picking away at some stuff. But then I was like, okay, let's do this let's do this like a real job. Like, let's treat it like a real job. Start at nine in the morning, you know, finish up at nine. If there's more, you know, obviously, you know, there, there's more than a nine to five with, with any startup. But, uh, so I was like, let's put at least those, those hours into it. And, uh, and we really haven't looked back. We signed our first client one day after, um, after we decided, okay, let's do this full time. And then we signed our second client a few days after that. And it was just like cold calling, like awkwardness of like, Hey, do you guys know what influencers are? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> so it's just, uh, the hardest part was, you know, telling people what we do because it's, it's so new. It's a bit foreign to, to small business owners. They're like, well, what's an influencer? I'm like someone who just, you know, they advocate for your brand. They have a big social yeah. following and they, they just ride for you. See, I think that's the most exciting part. I love cold calling and telling people about what we do. It's, it's fun, but I hate it. Why do you hate it? Ah, uh, it's just, I feel like I'm trying I feel like I'm taking up someone's time and it's no. like, if someone cold calls me, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Like flip, put it in an email. And yeah. Okay. I agree you know, with you. I agree with you there. Do you like being cold called? No, hate it. Right. But I love doing it. You feel like you're taking, I don't know. I, I always feel like I'm just taking up someone's time and I'm like, I'm trying to sell them something, but I really just want to tell them about something mm. so that they know about it. Be like, okay, your business could be out there instead of you telling people about your business, mm. have people who represent your, your audience best tell them about it. Uh, That's fair. But I think my company, and I don't think it's a company, but your company, my company might be a little bit too small. So it's not mm-hmm. like a word of mouth thing yet where... Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that like eventually I'm hoping I'll have someone doing for yeah. me or my, all my like stuff a sales team inbound, you know? Yeah. That's obviously uh, the ultimate goal, but... No, I love, I love cool... Uh, not like even emailing like i love mass email i love cold calling Mm -hmm. i'm just proud of what i'm doing so and that's the biggest thing too right yeah if you're proud of what you're doing you it's not like you're you're selling snake oil to people it's not like you're calling someone up you're like hey for three easy payments of 29.99 you can get you know you're you're selling something that you believe in yeah and that's the main thing if you if you really you're like hey if you come on and you if you do this with me and if i bring a client on if, if I don't believe that they're going to be wildly successful with it, why would I want them as a client? Like if I can't do a good job for you, if you can't be successful at the end of our campaign, then it doesn't work for me. Right. Like, and then they're not going to come back. Yeah, exactly. Like my best endorsement is 
someone who has a remarkable campaign and someone goes, wow, like this actually made a really big difference. And that's what, you know, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like about it. I don't lie. I don't feel like a greasy salesman. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. You're not, you're not selling someone, you're not trying to force them to buy something. You, and that's the, I guess how I like to think about it when I do do it is just educate someone, just be like, Hey, this is what is available. If you should choose that you want to do this, I can provide it, you know? And that's the biggest thing in sales. I think a lot of people offer these things, but can't back it up. That's what I've heard Mm. from these sales courses Mm. that I've watched. A lot of people promise these things and then just can't deliver. But if you're able to deliver this product and deliver, uh, you know, an industry standard, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say, then you're made, you're set. Yeah. It's fun to like under promise over deliver. Yes. Right. You want to set someone's expectations at a mark where they're happy. And then if you can go above and beyond that, well, you're, you're winning. That's one of the best quotes. I don't know if it's a quote or a saying, whatever mm. you call under promise over deliver. Yeah. Love it. So it's, it's a winning recipe, right? Funny story about that quote. I was work. I was, how old was I? I was 22, 21. I was working as a concierge in a fancy hotel here in Halifax. And I heard the owner of Cabot links. I forget his name, okay. but he was just in the lobby, like mm-hmm. kind of talking to an investor, someone like, I don't know who the yeah. hell it was, but you could tell they were talking money. Yeah. And, he goes to the to this guy that he was talking to, the investor. He's like, "So, you know, do you have any advice for me? Like, I'm trying to do something here, yada yada yada." And he just he said that thing. He's like, "You know, if there's one thing that I've learned in business and how to succeed and mm-hmm. how to get ahead and you know be a, a a competitor with my competition, just whatever, get ahead." Mm-hmm. He just said, "Under promise, over deliver." Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. that's the thing, right? Leave you know yeah. whatever whatever client or however you interact with with your customers. If at the end of your transaction, if at the end of your campaign, whatever it is, your meeting, if they leave happier than they expected to leave, yeah, then that that's a good taste. Like their final, what are their final thoughts on it? If they leave a little disappointed, if they leave satisfied, yeah. but if you can almost, you know, perpetually guarantee that they're going to leave happier than they expected to, yeah, you're you're just gonna you're gonna get yourself some good word of mouth. What are some challenges that you've had starting the the company? There must be a ton. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, time management is obviously one thing you're like, okay, I have 45 different things going on. How do I, how do I know when to really focus on one thing and then less focus on another thing? So then you're, it's, it's like throttling, right? So you're like, okay, I really need to put a lot of work in this week on task A and you forget about task G, right? G. And, uh, and then you're like, oh shit, I forgot about that. And then you got to, you know, catch up and I guess trying to, you know, stay on top of things and not playing catch up and just being on top of things all the time. I'm terrible with like, uh, keeping track of like expenses and stuff. It's just, you know, if you, you drive somewhere and you're like, okay, well that was, that was actually an expense. So you have to record that. I'm like, God, you know, it's, uh, that stuff is, that's just like boring, repetitious stuff that you kind of just have to get through. Yeah. And it's all in the year. I feel like with the industry you, you are in, nothing would be the same. I feel like every client would be different because the needs of every yeah. client would be different. So yeah, there's not a lot of consistency. It's a lot of change this, change that, yeah. change. Is and that correct? Yeah, absolutely. You're right. So like, it's funny. I was talking to um, my partner the other night, as you know, he's in Thailand for a little while. Thailand. Yeah, my mans. Um, so we're talking about, you know, our pricing model is a, a value add, a value added pricing model. So we don't say, we don't charge by our hourly rate. We don't say, okay, well, these are our costs plus this. It's what value do we add to you? So if we're going to add $250,000 of value to you over the course of a year, how much do we charge then for that value? 
it's not we're going to spend 400 hours working on this and we charge $300 an hour. It's we add this much value. Now, how much do we think that, you know, that's worth? So how do you find out how much value that you're adding to a company? How do you determine that? Well, different things, right? So like the lifetime value of a customer, if we're going to acquire you 40 customers who are all worth X amount each, then that is, you know, that's a, a good grasp at what kind of value we're going to bring. So let's say, how do you find out that those 40 customers went to the company? Do you t- ask the That's company? That's one of the toughest things with influencer marketing is it's not the most measurable um, yeah. uh, marketing medium, right? Yeah. So something like digital marketing where you can, you can track clicks and you have an attribution model of like, okay, I put up this ad, this guy clicked on it. It cost me $4 to run the ad. And now I have them as a customer where they bought a $20 item you know, I have a $4 cost per acquisition. You can see exactly that. Okay. Influencer marketing at its finest is really for awareness. Um, so I guess the way we like to talk about it is like if a brand, if you see a billboard and this brand is saying like, Hey, we got awesome stuff. We, you know, let's, let's just say it's a Tim's billboard mm-hmm. and they, they're like, Hey, we have great coffee. And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you do have like every coffee place is going to say you have great coffee. Right. But if, I'm your friend and I come up to you and I'm like, man, I had a wicked coffee the other day, had it at Tim's. You're going to be like, oh, haven't tried Tim's. Maybe I'll try it out. My buddy recommended it to me. Yeah. So that's kind of the, you know, that's where we like to have our, our focus is can we help you build your awareness? And when your awareness comes from people who have tried your product and are advocating for your product, it's a lot stronger than if it comes from the horse's mouth, from the brand, because of course the brand is going to tell you that it's, you know, that it's great. Because they're paying you. Yeah. Right. So if we get someone who's actually tried your product, and that's the thing, we don't just like if it, let's say Tim's was our uh, customer, we wouldn't we wouldn't have an influencer just grab a Tim's cup and say, hey, this is great coffee. We'd make sure that they're already drinking Tim's. They already like the product, okay. and then it's just them giving a natural approach, like, hey, you guys like I like coffee. Do you guys like coffee? Yeah. Why don't you try this one? Yeah. And it's more natural than it's more authentic. There's. I think there's, well, I guess there's a million different stats for it of like, you're 15 times more likely to try a product when your friend refers it to you or five times, whatever it is. It's just at the end of the day, you're more likely to trust a brand and believe a brand when your friend or someone that you trust refers it to you. They tell you about it. Um, Mm. So yeah, that's kind of what we're built on. That's what I like about my advertising is I'll, I'll try to go after brands that I use on a day-to-day basis. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what kind of coffee I'm drinking, but I'm sure I'll check when I'm done and I'll give them a call. <laughs> you know, it's, it's things like that yeah, that yeah. I really try to reach for. And I, I agree with you. Also, when I do ad reads, um, I don't like to read off a script. I find it sounds too mm-hmm. robotic. I yeah. like to have bullet points and yeah. then just kind of freestyle it yeah, as long as I have those points. Thing. Exactly. And that's that's what gives it like a little bit of nuanced because if a, if a brand gives you a script and they're like, hey, hit all these points, well, what if there are points in there that you as a customer actually want, want to contribute? So it might be like, they might say like, hey, our coffee is really strong. It's a Colombian bean and you know, um, it's, it's a great way to start your morning. But you might say, I actually really like roasting it and putting a little bit of milk in my coffee. And the brand doesn't know that maybe the coffee is really good with a little bit of milk. And obviously this is like very basic, but it's just whatever your unique experience is with the product matters. Mm. So if you contribute your unique experience, then that's going to match people who follow you, people who, you know, are in your inner circle. Um, so if you're able to, to give them a bit of insight to how you like to enjoy a certain product, yeah, then it's way, it's just, it's vastly more beneficial than 
a brand giving one message because when you do that on a high high volume mm-hmm. you have thousands of people saying this is why i like this product and for this particular reason then you have hundreds of different nuanced versions of that one message that the brand has uh, it just it hits different people so instead of one message at one massive group say one message at a million people you still get to hit a million people but you get a hundred different messages within that. So it's different micro audiences mm-hmm. within your, your massive audience. I feel like a consumer can tell when you are not lying, mm. but what am I trying to say? Yeah. When it's like forced. Right? Yeah. So uh, like a good product fit. Yeah. Right. So, and that's the thing. And that's when like, sometimes we'll work with different influencers and they might say, well, like, you know, or the brands might say, aren't you worried about people commenting on it and saying like sell out or, you know, um, you know, what are, what are you doing this for? You don't actually use this. And when people do that, they, you know, if, if I'm a vegan and some butcher comes to me and they're like, Hey, would you, would you like set up a, would you help us promote our, our butcher shop? And you're like, yeah, sure. What are you going to pay me? And they're like, we'll give you a thousand bucks. And it's like, sure. <laughs> then the followers are going to be like, what the hell are you doing? You're a vegan. I know you're a vegan. You're not eating this meat. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense. You should call them out on that. Yeah. But if a vegan has a juice company who calls them up and they're like, yo, like we have this really cool natural organic juice. Do you want to give it a try? Then they try that. Mm. They're like, hey, guys, I'm trying this new juice. It's really great, whatever. Um, that's believable, right? That makes sense because that's something that fits into your life. So it's all about using the, the people who, you know, fit that niche, that industry. Yeah. Um, and that's when it goes over well. It's funny, as I get older and I watch uh, commercials, I'm more intrigued. When I was <laughs> yeah. younger, I'm like, fast forward, I really don't yeah, care, let's yeah. go. But as I get older, uh, I'm more, I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. I learn a lot. Mm-hmm. One thing I really love and I think works the best in marketing is emotional marketing. If you can get someone to cry during a commercial, <laughs> you have won. Right. And there's some ones out there that are really good. There was one I was watching, it was in school actually. And it was about this guy, he, he walked to work every day, uh, sometimes it rained, sometimes mm-hmm. it snowed, sometimes it was sunny. And there was always an old lady that was homeless uh, on the side of the street and he right. gave her a quarter every single day. And then one day at the end of the commercial, she wasn't there and he ended up keep walking to work and she had a job. Right. There's something right, like that. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was a tearjerker. I was yeah. like, man, that worked. Like, I'm going to go look at that bank. Yeah, man. You see a commercial and like your eyes well up and you're like, damn, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> right? it's, it's, it's Have a- you seen the, um, it airs around like March Madness time. It's called the Guinness Made of More campaign. I don't know. So it's like a bunch of dudes um, in a gym playing wheelchair basketball. Okay. And it's like this like nice, like soft kind of music behind. And it's like, you know, it's just a, a little bit of narration. Like one guy saying a few things about like what it, what it means to be made of more and have character and, you know, um, some purpose. And then at the end of the game, you see everyone stand up and get out of their wheelchairs except for one guy. And you see that all these, this guy in a wheelchair, all of his friends are there playing wheelchair basketball with them. Yeah. They get out and go for a pint. And you're like, fuck. I've good. seen it. Right? You, you're like, that's good. <laughs> it automatically, it makes me think, well, if I had a friend in a wheelchair, I'd do that. Yeah. yeah that's right? what like, I'd I be a good person I, like I'd do that. that. Yeah. Put it, you know, around the holidays or around yeah. like March Madness or something when people are into basketball or watching that. And uh, yeah. you're like, that's that's a good campaign. Like, I'm made of more. I'm gonna go try Guinness. Right? It's it, it's a, it's a skill set because there's yeah. some commercials out there that absolutely suck. I hate car commercials. All of well, them. they're all the they're same. All the same. They stink. You want to hear a cool? You probably already know this, being who you are and what you do for a living. But I found this out three years ago. My buddy Ben Richardson. Ben Richardson. Shout out to Ben Richardson. <laughs> he said to me one day, he goes, Justin, do you want to know why you never see Porsche commercials or? 
um, Rolls Royce commercials on TV that much? And I'm like, why? And he goes, well, people that want to buy a Porsche, people that want to buy a Rolls Royce, people that want to buy a Lamborghini, they'll just go buy one. They don't need yeah, to be bribed yeah, yeah, on a yeah. television to go buy one. You're not yeah. going to make the decision. Yeah, maybe I might buy yeah, a Lamborghini it's not, today. It's not just like a hmm. <laughs> yeah, but Toyota, people that can afford Toyotas and Hondas mm-hmm. and, you know, I guess Audis too, they can be persuaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, they're, maybe they're I will moving. go buy a, yeah. maybe I will go buy a Toyota today. Yeah. yeah I found yeah. that kind of cool. Yeah, it's good. It's good insight. You don't need, people that want to buy a Lamborghini don't need to be persuaded yeah they they're not gonna be persuaded by a commercial interest. i thought that was kind of cool yeah it's good oh, yeah commercials are interesting to me super bowl as well super bowl is mm-hmm. another great time some mm-hmm. expensive commercials christmas commercials are great it's a, it's it's kind of cool how christmas this time of year you see a lot of emotional advertising this time it's of year. it's it's meant it's everything's set up to make sure that you and i spend money oh of course isn't that the radio, you yeah, know, you're driving yeah. here. I'm sure something might come on. Yeah. Go to the mall. Maybe there's like a scent in the air. You smell a Christmas tree. That mm-hmm. brings back feelings of a kid. And so you want to buy gifts. Yeah, yeah. What else? You know, a hot chocolate, uh, eggnog. Everything is emotional. Not emotionally, but everything is set up in order to yeah, you're right. get you to be in the you festive will. season. Yeah, yeah. Get you in the in the, the mindset of giving or going and, you know, treating yourself to something or, or buying something for someone who you care about. And that's see, I don't even think about important. it like that. I just think about they want me to spend money. Yeah. That's my mindset. Yeah. I don't even, I, and I, that's, it's I guess terrible because you pay attention to it, right? I guess someone so. who's not actively like if you're not, uh, you know, entrenched in marketing, are you actively thinking about what the objective or like, what are they really trying to get at? Like at the root of this commercial, that's Probably. exactly what I'm thinking right? about at all yeah. times. Yeah. And it's sad because I should be thinking about, okay, what am I going to get my mom for Christmas? Trying to be a thoughtful son, which I am <laughs> yeah. at times. But at the end of the day, when I walk into a store, I think, okay, what's the scheme here? What yeah. are they trying to do? Yeah, How yeah. are they trying to get me? Yeah, absolutely. But that's fun. I like, And like you said, like commercials are, are better now. Like I like I pay attention to commercials. This is like sometimes if I'm watching a, a shitty game and it's a blowout, maybe it's like you know a 32-point lead in the fourth and I'm just like scrolling on my phone and then commercials come on and I'm like, phone goes down start looking at the tv again i'm like what's on this what's geico saying <laughs> how can i save 10 <laughs> percent?" i was at it's same topic kind of off topic i went to go get a haircut the other day and i'm sitting down in the chair new place never heard of it mm. um tommy guns up in larry utech there cool okay. place whatever oh it was right next to the gym went to the gym after the gym went and got a haircut so i sat down got a cut the lady tried to upsell me probably three times. On oh. one, a haircut. On two, a massage. They give you like a little I'm neck sad. massage. Wild. And what was the third one? A beverage. Okay. So I'm sitting there. Like I, I say no the first time. Like I'm here. Just give me mm-hmm. a little quick cut. I'm fine. Yeah. That, that's all I need. She got me on the on the massage. <laughs> she oh, got she me. It was 10 bucks. Massage. So I was like, yeah, you know. One's <laughs> I'm little, here. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Are they massaging you while they're giving you a haircut? No. So you get the haircut. Oh, okay. And what I found out was uh, the haircut came with a, a shampoo. Right. So she, she's leaning me back to give me uh, a shampoo and conditioner or whatever. I'm like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I don't want that. Like, I'm, I'm fine. She goes, well, you're paying for it either way. Like, it comes in the price. <laughs> so there I'm just like, oh, well. All right, well, yeah, yeah, go for it. Use some conditioner too while you're at it. I don't remember, I don't remember the last time someone washed her conditioned my hair it was kind of right. weird to be honest yeah. with you but whatever <laughs> a little scalp massage and then as soon as it's over i'm about to get up and she's like all right well you know would you like a massage and in my head i'm just thinking no she's gonna win like she's yeah. gonna upsell me like yeah. this is a scam get out justin gonna be drinking pina coladas by the end of it <laughs> and 
you know what my thought process was? That's ah, Christmas. Fuck it. Treat yourself. Treat myself. Right. So I'm sitting there, get a, got a massage for 10 minutes <laughs> after I left. I honestly felt pretty incredible. Hey, well, right. What's wrong with it? But at the same time, <laughs> I, I couldn't, I did enjoy it. But there was a side of me that's like, I can't enjoy this because I'm spending more money. You're a little, felt a little guilty yeah. about it. And yeah, that's yeah, what's yeah. wrong with me. Yeah. I can't. But nonetheless, <laughs> Tommy Guns, it was a good play. It was a good spot. Ah, good. Yeah. I like yeah. the beverage upsell. That's, uh, I didn't like, go like for the beverage, was, but. Is that the, what they're offering? Yeah. Well, what, here's the, here's another thing I think they were trying to get me with. They said beverage, but it's not beer. It's Coke and water and ah, Sprite. I've seen a few barber shops where you can get, like, get a beer while you're getting your hair cut. Yeah. like, I like that. I, were, I'd be into that. There were some places in Halifax like two years ago uh, that just gave you a beer without a liquor license. They didn't make you Ooh. buy it. They just <laughs> like, hey, you want a beer? Yeah, right. And some idiot ruined it for everyone, but yeah. whatever. Sin. It was a great time. Yeah, no doubt. Back in the day when you can go, oh, yeah. Is it, eh. I don't know if we could be snitching right now, but has there been a has there, have you gotten a beer while you got a haircut around here? Uh, not like here. recently. There's a, there's a place in St. John's in Newfoundland. Jeez, yeah. um, I forgot the fog something. I forgot the name of it. Yeah. Um, but they they sold beer. And I'm, like they had a liquor license and everything. It's um, a great time. But yeah, that's great, man. Have a beer while you're having your haircut, especially if it's like you know you're just like shooting the shit with the boys. You yeah. know, very similar. It's a good like. Uh, it's kind of like LeBron's barbershop. Yeah. You know, pod not pod, but like little talk show type thing. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think that the old school barbershop conversation has gone out the window due to the fact that people are on their phones when they get in there? Yeah, who maybe I don't know, maybe it's like the one it might be the last like genuine human interaction because your phone's in, like you're getting your hair cut, your phone's should be in your pocket like put But that people that away. are waiting, they're on their yeah, phone, they're not yeah, talking. Yeah, you're right. It's man, it's sad to see people just like mindlessly you know just thumbs flicking you know you, you can't go anywhere and if you're the one person like if you're in a barbershop so yeah say you, you sit down and like everyone's on their phone of course no one's even looking at the magazines on the table if you're the one dude who's like looking to try to start a conversation like hey like what are you up to today man <laughs> like what, yeah. what are you getting done with your hair <laughs> yeah. right you're the weirdo you're like man why is this guy trying to talk to me it's like well, everybody becomes un- everyone's uncomfortable no one's uncomfortable in their own skin when they're in yeah, those situations yeah. here's a here's what you do Next time you're in an elevator with someone, just you and him or her, mm. nine times out of ten, they'll take their phone out and just start looking at their phone because 100%. they don't want to make eye contact yeah, yeah, with you no or talk. Yeah, eye contact. Yeah. That's the worst. And if you're in an elevator and someone just chooses not to make eye contact, it's like, it's not like you're walking down the road and maybe you're looking at other things and you didn't, you actually didn't see me walk by. But if you're in an elevator, like, you know I'm there. Oh, yeah. Just say hi. How you so doing? Be a person. How's, How's your going? day going? How's it going? Give me the, the obligatory, how you doing? Yeah. Right? Little nod. Yeah. How's it going? Just how's life? Yeah. My yeah, life's say good. Hi. How's your life? Good. All right. I'll see you later. It's been, it's been real. We're all one big family. Just yeah, say hey. Right. <laughs> but, at the, uh, you know, I always see the other side of things. People, you know, it's not going to get any better, man. No, absolutely You know what I mean? Not. It's, 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 it's like you see people in grocery stores with like AirPods in or like headphones and stuff. And you're like, really? Are you, you that important? You, you need yeah. to be t- totally isolated. And then I'm like find myself listening to a podcast and I have to go get groceries. And I'm like, I should finish this while I'm doing grocery shopping. <laughs> I'm it's like, just, bad. you know what I bought the other day? It was a Google mini home. Thing. Ah, how is it? It's awesome, but it's kind of scary. Yeah. It picks up all your conversations. Yeah. Eh? No, it's in my room there. And I remember I was talking to, uh, I was in there the other day and I was talking to someone about, uh, club Monaco. Like I wanted to get okay. something from club Monaco. And the next thing you know, I'm looking at my Instagram 
Club Monaco ads. ads. Yeah, that's the creepiest stuff, man. And like, I, I have a digital marketing background, so I know, you know, I get the whole like, you're on a website and then, you know, they pixel you or they cookie you, whatever you want to call it. And then you see ads for them all the time. Like, okay, well, that makes sense. I know how that happens. But when you're talking about some random shit and then all of a sudden on Instagram, you see ads for it, you're like, man, how? How did they know? That's creepy. That's like, that's so invasive, you know? Yeah. I don't think people will ever get comfortable with that, but we've kind of just, we've accepted it. It's like, oh, I talked about going on a trip to Venezuela. I'm going to see some ads for Venezuela I booking, yeah. right? I guarantee your phone <laughs> right? will be Venezuela yeah. booking ads. Yeah, it's creepy. You're like, I didn't, I didn't authorize this. I didn't say this is okay. And they're saying soon you're going to be able to transport thought. A word? What Have you, you heard of this? No. This could be way out there. I could mm. be completely wrong, but I'm going to talk about it anyways because it sounds it. fun. Mm-hmm. So, same thing with the Google Mini, except you don't have to say, okay, Google, play John Mayer. You just have to think of it, <laughs> and then it'll play it. So, what, do you have to wear like a special like I don't know, hat? Man. I don't know. I do <laughs> not crazy. know. You know that in Halifax, now the new convention center, they built pods on the top of the building because flying cars are going to be a real thing within 15 years so they have not not a helicopter pad just pods for flying cars no way buildings in new york they're building buildings in new york with pods on top because flying cars is a man that's a real that's crazy i shouldn't say flying cars but you know uh, maybe like a a drone yeah yeah you know like like big to deliver things like personal drones for like amazon for yeah 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 that's deliver packages amazon's drone stuff like for deliveries is just crazy if you're if you're working for amazon or canada post ups all these mail yeah, companies yeah. are you a little nervous right now i think you've got to be right you know like they've they're openly talking about this as something that they're trying to do on the topic of you know crazy advertising your you know the the thought ads um in Certain parts of Asia, I believe, and they've been beta testing this for years now, but it's billboards that have facial recognition. So it'll, it builds a, you know, a digital profile of you and sees you walking down the road and it's like, oh, that's Justin. Oh, come on. He likes hockey. I'm going to show him an ad for, for Bauer. I'm going to show him a Bauer, you know, hockey ad. And it'll change as each individual person in real time walks down the road and show you an ad for you, not your demographic or like your... Fuck grouping that you've been put into not a you know 20 to 25 year old white male justin you can't show you an ad you can't move in this world in one way that's it's good because you're not going to see stuff you don't want to see but then another way it's creepy but i want to see things i don't want to see because then i talk (laughs) about them on this podcast yeah yeah right yeah how do you how do you get out of your own little world if yeah everything is tailored to you that reminds me of time that reminds me. I used when I lived in Vancouver. I used. The, have you ever been to Vancouver? No, I haven't. The furthest west I've been is is Alberta. Okay, so the crows in Vancouver are crow like they're like they're <laughs> crow crow. <laughs> they're like terror, not terrorists. Yeah, well, that, no, they're not terrorists. What's the word I'm trying to use? They attack. Let's go you. with terrorists. They, they okay. They are, well, when man. when you crazy. said <laughs> when you said that the billboards know your face. Yeah. This one crow. Every morning I used to run to work in Vancouver. Right. And I took the same route. This one crow attacked me every day for probably so I ran only June, July, August for so three months. Yeah. This one crow knew my face Unreal. and swooped down behind my ear. I, I, it came to the point where I was nervous to run yeah. to work because this one crow knew my face <laughs> and just 
Caw, caw. Yeah. And it, what I used to do before I turned around the corner where he always used to wait for me, I used mm-hmm. to get a bunch of rocks. Yeah. So I just wait for him and then I'd run backwards <laughs> and just Not today, crow. Not today. It's like that you see the episode of Seinfeld where the pigeon flies into Elaine's head. Yes. And the guy's there, he's like, Wow. It's like he couldn't avoid it. <laughs> right? Just like that. <laughs> Crow. And look up when you Crows go. Are cra- they're smart, man. They're like hella smart. When you go home or anyone that's listening right now, Google Vancouver crow problem. It's a it's a problem. No shit. They're like crows are attacking people. They know your Wild. face. I don't know. They're so hostile. They they, yeah, they have yeah. kids. They have nests. I don't know. Yeah, they're and terrifying. They're, they're bold, right? Like you crow, you walk down the road, and like crow's not gonna move. It's like fuck you, you move. Yeah, we <laughs> were we were here first. Yeah, that's what they're thinking. Yeah, these my garbage. <laughs> you threw this out. You said you were done with it. <laughs> oh yeah, you said you were done with it. Yeah, but it's yeah, I know. Like elderly people, imagine if you're like ninety, getting mm. attacked by a crow. You're not leaving the house ever again. Yeah, you're not so nimble anymore. You can't. You're you done. Those reflexes. You're done. <laughs> that's wild. Terrifying. Terrorist crows. You going to Newfoundland soon? I am. Going Where are you going? For, uh, for Christmas. I, I drive back on the 17th. So, uh, oh, you're driving back. Yeah, man. It's such, it's such bullshit. It's like a 45-minute <laughs> flight. And it's like, oh, no, Lucas, choose to take the more expensive 14-hour route. <laughs> that's, that's the way to go. You're taking the dog? Yeah, exactly. So um, being a good boyfriend, letting, yeah. uh, letting the girlfriend fly home. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's like 350 round trip to fly. And then it's like 400, 500 bucks to drive. And it takes 15 times as long are there any newfoundland christmas traditions like i know they have screeched oh. i don't know if that's a christmas tradition or mummering what's mummering the, oh oh no i'm not about to educate you on mummering you're about life. to educate me on mummering mummering is an old ass tradition um seldom done anymore unless you're in like small <clears throat> outport places some of my my friends and family do it like as a bit of a larf but basically <laughs> what's a larf <laughs> a laugh okay <laughs> <laughs> Just for shits and gigs, right. right? Um, you just dress up foolish. Like you put on like wigs and old woods jackets with like a big like old lady bra over the top of it and like oven mitts and you just dress up so that you're unrecognizable and you knock on someone's door and any mummers loud in and you go in, everyone has a drink, has a dance, little jig. Just strangers. You, strangers, yeah. And and that's it's not as you don't see it done anymore because people are like, no, I'm not letting these masked strangers in my house. But yeah, that's what you do. You just dress up so that you're unrecognizable, and and you don't ever you don't tell them. Like maybe a couple of weeks later, you'd be like, so you had some visitors there on the 29th, did you? And they're like, yeah, man, I had some weird people in my house. And then you like lock eyes. You're like, that was you. Like, <laughs> so it's just random people dressed up, and you give them all a drink. Have you ever gone caroling? No, not much. Don't have uh, don't have the pipes for it. Has a caroler ever came to your house? Yeah, awkward, right? My what question is. What do you do when the carolers are over? Do you clap? Do you say good job? Do you say thank yeah. you? What do you say? We had carolers come to work last year at the office when I was uh, an employed man, but they like they they came and like knocked on the door because like the door is locked, you can't just get in. So then someone had to go and like open the door, and instead of just like starting to sing, they're like, "Well, can we can we come in?" And then they came in and started singing, and like everyone's kind of working, and then you turn around because you hear people singing and like clapping and shit, and you're like. Oh well, what do we what do we do? Are you yeah? That's exactly what I pictured. (laughs) Yeah, it's one person just starts the yeah right slow clap. I've always pictured uh, for some reason this bit has never been done on a television show or movie, but the carolers that go to a house where someone doesn't want them. 
I thought that'd be a funny <laughs> yeah. bit. And then you just close the door. Yeah. They try again. You open it up. You're like, no, 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 please. No, they try. You're polite yeah. at first. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. yeah. Carolers go to like uh, a ghetto. Like they don't go to a suburb. Like they'll go to a ghetto and just what the fuck. I don't want to see you here. Why? Go away. Yeah. Why are you so happy? For Why? Me? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the the oh, the carol the carol seems like it's dying. It seems like it's yeah. uh, the Christmas spirit. It's it's all commercial now. It's it's forced. If you well, if you get a knock at the door, it's it's three people. One, someone trying to sell you something. Two, the mailman. Three, mm. carolers. No one else really knocks at the door anymore. Yeah, yeah. Unless you know they're coming over. Yeah, and in that case, it's probably it's a quick knock and open. Yeah, right. Like who do you who do you whose house do you go to where you actually knock on the door and wait for them to come out? I'm yeah. like, I'm banging on the door once. I'm like, I'm coming in. <laughs> yeah, anyone that I invite over, just come in. You don't need to knock. Yeah, right? You're expected. But a knock at the door, it's an interesting thing now. I think someone had a bit about this. Are you into stand-up comedy? Yeah, yeah. Sebastian, what's his last name? Italian. Ooh, One of the funniest guys. And Sebastian, he was some comedians in cars. Anyways, he had a bit about it. He grew up in an Italian family. And, you know, Italian family. Oh, come in. What can I get mm -hmm. you? You know, and... In today's generation, if someone knocks on your door, people are hiding behind couches. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. You got a gun? All right. right. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, it's not, it's not, not a lot. Not as welcoming. Hey, you don't have the same, like, it's like getting mail now. It's like, you used to get so excited to get something in the mail. You're like, man, I got a letter in the mail. And now it's like, fuck, it's just a bill. It's a bill. Yeah. <laughs> right? so this, the novelty is gone. <laughs> but that goes a long way, apparently. A handwritten letter mm. in today's generation. Talk about going you're above right. and beyond. Yeah, man, you're right. My, um, my girlfriend ordered a dress from this like boutique dress store in Quebec. Yeah. Um, and they send her the dress and you know, when you're filling out your online order or whatever, it's like, Hey, like, what do you, what are you ordering this for? Cause it's typically like fancier stuff. So it's not something you wear every day, but for an event. Yeah. And so Lynn is like, um, a gala and then you have to write like a little, I don't, I'm not really sure how they found out about it. To be honest, I'm assuming this is how it was, but it was for her law ball. And so she gets the, the dress and it's in this nice box with a ribbon tied up on it. And then when she opens it, there's a handwritten note, you know, 200, 250 words long. It's, it's yay big. Um, and it's like, hey, Lana, we really hope you enjoy this. Um, have a great night at your law ball. You're really going to look great in this dress. Your friends at whatever. I wish I could remember the name of it, but this boutique. Uh. Um, and a few different people I've told this story to have like, I've ordered something from there. I know them. And like they do this and like. That is awesome. And she kept the packaging for like three months. She's like, this is awesome. Telling people all about it. Like, that is great, right? A little bit. And that's right. Like, she was expecting to get this dress. The dress was exactly as she expected it. Yeah. But the note was above and beyond. She They over-delivered. And she was over the moon about it. You know, they, they might have got five new customers because she was raving about it, telling all of her friends. And that's yeah, That's cool. Full circle. I know I was listening to something about a hand. What was I doing? I was listening to a podcast about a guy in Hollywood. And he said that he used to write hand written letters to casting directors. Like he, was oh, okay, a, yeah. he was a struggling mm -hmm. act. Who was it? I can't think of it who it was on the top of my mm -hmm. head. But he said he was a young you know, comedic actor in, in Hollywood. And he said he was having trouble getting work. And he, he was trying to figure out a way to stand out. Right. It really pisses me off that I don't know who it is. Anyways, he said that he used to find out where the casting directors live, and he would used to he used to write handwritten letters about who he was, um, how thankful he was mm -hmm. to be living in Hollywood, be a comedian, and things yeah. like that. And he said that he got 
10, 15 gigs because he used to write handwritten letters wow. and he used to invite himself for a meeting. So he'd say, I'd love to get together and meet with you. Yeah. I'd love to tell you about my skill set, what I'm funny at, what I'm not yeah, funny yeah. at. And he said that these handwritten letters just essentially boosted his career to where he is now. Yeah, Do yeah. You fucking remember who was it? <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. The little bit, a little bit extra, and like stuff like that becomes common. And it's finding, it's finding when it's not common and doing it because that's when it's above and beyond. But now, like, um, and so okay, you know, anytime you subscribe to anything, chances are you enter your birthday or whatever. And then on your birthday, they email you like, "Hey, happy birthday! Here's ten percent off." Right? And Mm. it's kind of that's what that's turned into. But the way that started in the I want to say late 80s, early 90s. This car salesman, yeah. really charismatic dude, right? Yeah. Um, he's always chatting up with his customers. And so anytime a customer would leave, he'd write a few notes on them. Just so like, this is like pre-internet. He's got a notebook, like a Rolodex full of information on people who buy cars from him. Yeah. So it's just a natural conversation. It's like, oh, so what are you up to the weekend? They're like, oh, well, my kid has soccer practice. And then it's my wife's birthday on Thursday. Mm. So he writes this down. And then on the day of the soccer tournament, maybe mm. he gives them a call. Hey, um... Good luck, good luck on Jenny's uh, soccer tournament this weekend or sends, sends the wife um, a you know, bouquet of flowers or whatever on her birthday. And there's no database. This is just this guy going, well, if I'm friends with my customers, what are the odds that they're going to go somewhere else the next time they have to buy a car? Immediately became you know, radically successful um, and then found out that this isn't just a good way to sell cars. It's just a good way to sell anything. And it's not like yeah. a tactic for him. It's just, no, like be genuine, be a good person. Um, and that's kind of morphed into what we see now with like emails on, on your birthday, you get here's 10% off. Yeah. But that started from some guy going, hey, if I pay attention to details of people's lives and let them know that those matter, that's really powerful. You know, politicians hire people like that, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Politicians, because politicians have to shake hands, kiss babies with yeah. everyone. Guaranteed Mike Savage has a guy or a girl that knows all of his friends that even Mike doesn't even know that he's friends with. Yeah. And, you know, essentially calls them up saying, hey, I just wanted to wish you a happy yeah, birthday. Yeah. Big wigs. Yeah. You know, he's looking for a little bit of finance for his next campaign. What's the title of the job? The guy who does that. No <laughs> idea. Birthday guy. Right? But have, what's the show? Yeah, sure. Birthday guy. <laughs> birthday yeah. guy. Have you seen the show with um, uh, Louis? I'm terrible with names right now. What's the show? With the girl from Seinfeld, um, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Yeah, and she's the pri- the president. She's aged well, hey. She has. Oh my dog. god, she's love my. Her. Yeah, I love her. Um, but what's the show she's in where she's the president? The president? Yeah, she's the president. Oh, it's new, isn't it? No, it's old. It's it's, it's wow. been a show. What am I thinking of? Veep, she, Veep, Veep. She's in a show called Veep. Man, I don't know it. She what's? Yeah, I don't know. It's it. older. Okay. Not older, but yeah, yeah. After Seinfeld. Yeah. Anyway, so there's a character. He's the guy from. He's the guy from. We're having a rough go at names here. It's oh, terrible! <laughs> it's too early. Yeah. Uh, what's the show where they're all really smart? Uh, there's like four of them. Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. So yeah. I think he's in Big Bang Theory. No, he's not in Big Bang Theory. Arrested Development. He's in Arrested <laughs> okay. Development. Anyways, he is. Uh, her backup. So anytime she goes into a meeting, she's like, All right, "Who is this?" And then she she just whispers into her ear, right. "Okay, this is Donald Glover." Right, right. So it's kind of cool. There's definitely yeah, guys yeah. like that. Yeah, for sure. Like to I'd like to meet one. It's like what are you like? You're the information jockey. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. Going into a meeting, call up call up your man's. Be like, hey, I'm going into a meeting with uh you know client yeah. x what's what's the lowdown on him and then he, he tells you okay he has two kids yeah. a daughter the daughter plays soccer the wife is a surgeon yeah I, I, do you watch I, I, the I, office 
Yeah, oh yeah, of <laughs> Have course. Have you seen the one where uh, Michael has like a a list of it's just like a, a little flip book on his big clients and like a little note on the back of them. He goes, I've color coded it. And so it's like <laughs> one of them is like uh, it just says like gay son and it's marked in green. And he goes and Dwight steals it and he goes, so tell me about your gay son. And Michael goes, I've color coded them. Green means go so I can go ahead and shut up about it. <laughs> Too funny, man. <laughs> That show is hilarious. The writing. I don't know what's better, the writing or just Michael Scott. Yeah, I know, right? So yeah. good. Yeah. If I'll, there's ever a time killer, you want to kill some time, watch an episode of The Office. Yeah, I've, I've, done it. I've watched too much of The Office. I think I'm on like fourth lap around the sun with it now. Oh, you just binge it. <laughs> it's yeah, hilarious. You binge it once and you're like, that was great. I think I'm going to watch that again. And then you find yourself, you're like, I really like seasons two through five, so I'm just going to rewatch those. And then you're like eating at dinner and you're like, I'm alone. I need some company. <laughs> Yeah. Flick on a random episode of The Office then. Once you're <laughs> once you're once you got your laps in, you know. <laughs> All right, man, we're coming up on an hour here. You gotta wrap it up. It's been a real hour. It's been good. Did you think that how long did you think that was? Didn't feel like an hour. That's what everyone says. It, the fact that you're not looking at the screen and I am, I think that if I was over there and wasn't looking. Right, right. It's the Friday mornings, man. They fly by. It's a beautiful Friday morning here in Halifax. It is beautiful. What are you doing the rest of the day? It's the girlfriend's birthday. So, oh boy! Uh, yeah, can you um, get some pad thai? Maybe watch some some Netflix or something. Try did to relax a little. Did you get her a gift? Of course. You can tell me because she's not going to hear this. Yeah, it's, uh, of course. So, girlfriend's a big Harry Potter fan. Harry Potter. Um, so we've we've been through Harry Potter once. She's got all the books. Um, so I got her the DVD collection, a DVD <laughs> you know input thing because who watches DVDs anymore? <laughs> but like all the streams are bullshit. They're yeah. shitty. So like it's always lagging when we try to stream it. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna get like a portable DVD plug-in that I can plug into my laptop or onto the, the TV. There you go. Got the DVD box set, and she's much smarter than me. So I got her Harry Potter um, Trivial Pursuit, so she can beat me in that. And so that's what fun. you're probably gonna do tonight. You'll play Harry Potter. I hope so. It'd be a good night. You know, yeah. watch some Harry Potter, get my ass whooped in, in Trivial Pursuit. There you go. <laughs> That'll be a good Friday. Yeah, man. Um, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Yeah, you're a great storyteller, good talker. Ah, excellent. Well, it's, it's I'll a, have to do it again. Yeah, you come back for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in. There is a lot of things on the internet, a lot of crap, and the fact that you tuned in here with me at the high button, I do truly appreciate it. Uh, if you could do me a quick favor... Go to all of our social media outlets, like, subscribe, subscribe, excuse me, and comment. Go to iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. I do truly appreciate it. We are out. Peace. And I knew if I had my chance that I could make those people dance and maybe they'd be happy for a while. But February made me shiver With every paper I deliver Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step I can't remember if I cried When I read about his widowed bride But something touched me deep inside the day the music died So bye bye
this American pie Drove my Chevy to the levee But the levee was dry And them good old boys Were drinking whiskey and rye Singing this'll be the day that I die This'll be the day that I die Did you write the book of love And do you have faith in God above If the Bible tells you so And do you believe in rock and roll Can music save your mortal soul And can you teach me how to dance real slow Well, I know that you're in love with him Cause I day that I die. Now for ten years we've been on our own and moss grows fat on a rolling stone, but that's not how it used to be. When the jester sang for the king and queen in a coat he borrowed from James Dean and a voice that came from you and me. King was looking down The jester stole His thorny crown The courtroom was adjourned
Bye. 